Well, good morning, everyone. Trust you all doing well? Awesome, good. I guess you don't have another answer to say, I guess, eh? It is good. <laughs> well, this morning, we're just excited again what Jesus is going to do. We know he has a word for us today. And aren't you thankful to be in church this morning? I mean, we, you know you are the church, but it's nice where the church comes and gathers. It's better than jail. Just making sure we're all on the same page. <laughs> okay. But we're so glad that you came. And I see your smiling faces. And we know that God has got something for us. So can we just approach him again uh, this morning just with reverence and respect. Father, we love you and so grateful for who you are to us, what you've done for us, and what you are continuing to do through us. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for your presence, not only inside of each and every single one of us, but on top of us, around us, everywhere we are, you're here. And we just acknowledge you this morning that you are here to lead us and to guide us into all truth. You are here to reveal Jesus to us. So we just declare that we have eyes to see Jesus. We have ears to hear Jesus speak clearly to his church this day. We believe we receive direction revelation and instruction from heaven this morning in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's get into the word of God this morning. Do you know where we're going? First John chapter five. All right, man. How'd you know? All right, there we go. Let's, let's turn there. First John. Yeah, we'll keep doing this one. Anybody got it memorized yet? Got awfully quiet. Okay, we'll continue on. So first John chapter five, verse one, it says everyone who's an everyone. I'm an everyone. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child. So right there again, just to reiterate, are we all God's children talking about everybody on the planet? No, everyone who is God's child, they had to confess or they had to believe and say something. What do they believe? They believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the son of God, right? All right. And he's become God's spiritual child and has been fathered by God himself. So not only are you, I mean, thank God you are saved. You're a child of God, but now you've also been fathered by him. This, I believe what we're going into as these days get darker and darker in the world, the revelation of the fatherhood of God to his child is becoming more and more clear. Because the world gets darker, the church gets brighter, but part of the brightness is knowing who our father is, but also knowing who we are in him. We're children of God. All right. And everyone who loves Father God loves his children as well. Verse 2. Now, I love this. This is how we can be sure that we love the children of God. Okay, this is very clear. How we love the children of, or the children of God. That we have a passionate love for God and by obedience to his command. So really what this is showing you and I is that my, how I relate with other believers shows my relationship with God. If I'm a jerk... My relationship with God is hurting somewhere because I really, my relationship with God, how it is, how intimate, it's going to reflect how I treat other people. So it's fairly clearly right seen right there. Verse three, he goes on to say, true love for God is this, obeying his commands and his commands, they don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. Verse four, you see every child of God overcomes this evil world and our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So who is a world overcomer? Those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And the reason why we keep going over this verse again is to let, to let the Word of God paint a picture on the inside that you aren't a loser. That you aren't here just, you know, I'm just here to get my butt kicked by the devil every once in a while. You are here 
to not only experience victory once in a while, but regularly through your life, God has called you to live an overcoming life. There you are. Hey, <laughs> so good to see you all. Didn't know if everybody left. Okay. And then verse 5, he goes on and he continues to say, so who are the world conquerors defeating its power? Who are they? Oh, it's Jesus. Well, yeah, it's true. But who else? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So who are you? Come on, say it like you mean. Who are you? I am a world overcomer. I master its power. I defeat whatever the world tries to throw my way. I am an overcomer. So no matter when a problem comes my way, who am I before? I'm an overcomer before the problems even come. You may be facing some horrible thing right now. Guess who you are? I'm an overcomer. Now what we're learning is how do overcomers act? How do over, overcomers overcome? Because if this was just automatic, every Christian would be winning in life. But that's not the case. So what is it? God's got favorites and just a select few, you know, experience overcoming lifestyles? No. It's those that understand the tool of faith and how to now bring the victory and to enforce it over darkness. That's what you and I are here for. We're here to occupy. Amen. Now, again, so again, what do overcomers do? Now, as we've been talking about, they continue. I just love that word continue. They continue. Continue doing what? Continue doing the same thing that you've always been doing. You know what, anytime you see even, again, any kind of professional in the sporting realm, what do they do regularly in practice? They continue doing the same things over and over again, so it becomes part of their habit. This is just how I do things. This is how I pass the ball. This is how I kick it. It just becomes regular second nature to them. Well, the same way for in the Christian life, sometimes we, it's so easy to look, I'm looking for something new. No, you don't necessarily need anything new. You need to deepen your understanding of what you already know, because there is so much more to John 3:16 than even what we think we know. We probably got a little smidgen off the top of a mountain and go, God loves me. But there's so much more to that. All right. So why do we continue? And I've got a couple of verses just to share with you and then we'll get going. John chapter 8, verse 31. Again, continuing is crucial to living a victorious life. So what we do regularly is when we continue, we just do things same old. Continue regularly, regularly do this. I regularly get into the word. I regularly do this. I regularly do this. That's what we victorious folk do. Amen. We don't get tired of it. So Jesus said this in John 8. He says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. Right? Verse 32. For if you embrace the truth, again, the word truth in the Greek literally brings out reality. So if you embrace the reality that Jesus is the truth, you embrace the reality that he lives from, it will release true freedom into your lives. So a lot of times you may be saying, well, I just, I need freedom from something. I need freedom in my life. You know what the reality is? Is you need to position yourself to hear more truth. I just need more freedom. I just need more freedom. Absolutely. This world, is, you can see there's a lot of bondage that's in this world. What does the world need? Truth. And sadly, I mean, you've got a world that is, you know... <laughs> hates the truth. And we see that in these end times. We'll probably get into that a little bit. But as we go progress further and further into this, what do you see is that people are getting further and further away from the truth, the truth that will set them free. It's called hate speech. It's called whatever you have you. You just don't like people. You just hate people. You just, you have your own opinions. No, truth will set you free. Right? That's what Jesus says. So continuing on, now look at this, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Again, talking truth. Paul, talking to his spiritual son, Timothy, said, But you, Timothy, you have closely followed my example and the truth that I have imparted to you. 
You have modeled your life after the love and endurance that I've demonstrated in my ministry by not giving up. The faith I have, now notice how important it is to have somebody that you can really, you want to follow. Obviously, Jesus is the ultimate, but you have godly people around you. I have, I, the faith I have, you now have. What I have hungered for in life has now become your longing as well. The patience I have with others, you now demonstrate. He continues on, he says, and the same persecutions and difficulties that I have endured, you have also endured. Yes, you know all about what I have to suffer while in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. You're aware of all the persecution that I endured, yet the Lord delivered me from every single one of them. Now notice this, for all who choose, how many of you are going to choose to live a godly life? All right, here's the promise of God. Are you ready? Those who choose to live godly as worshipers of Jesus, the anointed one, will also experience persecution. (laughs) Glory! (laughs) But, you know, I think down the line, we're going to talk a little bit about persecution, and we're going to talk about storms and trials of life. And rather than looking and going, oh, it's an opportunity to advance. So that's the good news. Okay, verse 13. Now notice this. Evil men and sorcerers will progress from bad to worse. So you think it's bad now? Oh, man, wait till next year. You ain't seen nothing yet. He's, that's what he's saying. It's going from bad to worse. Deceived and deceiving. And look at this. They're leading people further and further from the truth. So what do we do as Christians? What do we do? Do we just have to kind of, you know, put up the oars in our boat and just let the world take us wherever it's going? No. Verse 14 gives us clarity. Yet you must what? Come on, y'all. You must what? Continue to do what? To advance in strength. How do I advance in strength? With truth wrapped around my heart. So what are we called to in these last days? We're called to continue to advance. How do I make progress? How does the church advance in these days? How do we take steps forward? By wrapping the truth around my heart. This is how we do. This is how the church takes ground. When one person takes the word of God and wraps his heart around it, I believe this regardless of what I see. What happens? A stance just took place. The devil's trying to advance his kingdom. It stops right here. Why? Because the word of God is my final authority. I'm holding my spot. In fact, every time I take a stand on something, mm, I just took some more ground. And the devil hates it, therefore persecution comes. So as long as we keep making the decision, I'm going to continue to advance regardless of what happens. Guess what? The devil hates it because he's losing ground. And every once in a while, I I just do this for myself. I just, hey, devil, just taking another stance, just so you know. Just taking another stance. The word of God is true. Oh, there's another one. And we talked about, you know, Luke 10, 19, probably one of our favorite scriptures in the Bible, but it's also the devil's least favorite in all the Bible, is that Jesus said, now you understand the authority that I've given you, that you are here to trample on all the serpents, all the devils. And so what is a church called to do? We make a sound. Come on, do it with me for a quick sec. Remember that sound? Now just listen, listen to it. Listen. In the spirit, that freaks the devil out. That's the sound. That's the sound that we make. It's not, it's not. We're not retreating. Kind of what Courtney even encouraged us. We have, you have need of patience. What do we do? Hold fast. I haven't seen it come to pass. It don't matter yet. God will finish what he started. Hold fast. 
Oh, I'm not quite seeing what I'm supposed to be seeing yet. I continue. Ah, that's the church's sound. <laughs> We're not moved by time. We're not moved by, oh, it should be quicker. No, no, no. We don't live in a microwave generation. They can. We don't. We live in a generation that operates. Hey, we go with God until we see it. Continuing on. Okay, verse 15. He says, remember what you were taught from your childhood, from the Holy Scrolls, which can impart to you wisdom to experience everlasting life through the faith of Jesus, the anointed one. And he goes on, every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, and it will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment that God gives you. Whoo! So what do we do? Stand. Yeah. Bible says it again in Ephesians. Having done all to stand, what do we do? Yeah. You keep standing. So just get used to that sound. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. I mean, the devil tried to talk my little daughter yesterday with not feeling something so good. Stop. Get out. And she's perfectly well. And that's how the kingdom operates. Because again, the righteous, all these blessings belong to us, but the righteous, they take it by force. It's not just, oh God, if you could maybe do something. No, you tell that devil to go to hell. All right. You can say that in church. Okay. Now, thirdly, look at Colossians chapter 2 here for a moment. Verse 6, it says, And now, just as you've accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue. Say it with me. You must continue. So a lot of the Christian life is just continuing in what you know. Continue to follow him. Well, what do I do? Continue to follow him. I'm not going to follow the culture. I'm not going to follow after money. I'm not going to follow after opportunities. I'm not going to look for where it's peace and safety. I'm not going to look where it's comfortable. I'm following him. And sometimes where he leads is uncomfortable. But guess what? I'm called to follow him, not the natural circumstances. Okay. I follow him because, again, he will lead me and guide me into all truth. So why do we, the church, why do we believers continue so that the word of God becomes our world in the world that we live in. This is what we're here for. Why do we continue? So that our world, this word becomes our world that we live in in this world. Now, again, the victorious are called and we are anointed to live life by a different reality so that we can demonstrate as ambassadors the truth and the love and the power that we come from. You're not from here. You are not a natural being looking for a supernatural experience. You and I are spiritual beings, temporarily sent here for a human experience. We have to flip that thought there going on, just looking for something. No, 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 you were born from above. You know, in John chapter 3, look at this verse up here, verse 3. That the moment that you, Jesus answered, talking to Nicodemus, because again, Jesus is, you know, Nicodemus is hungry to learn, like, hey, what, what is this? We, we know you're from God. You do all these amazing things. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Right? He's like, how, how did you do all this? And so Jesus said, Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. Before a person can perceive, what does that word perceive mean? To see, right? To understand, to glance into. Before a person can see into God's kingdom realm, they must first experience a rebirth. So if you read the rest of the story, Nicodemus is like, how am I going to get back in my mama's womb? First of all, I don't want to. I'm sure she doesn't want to. See, all the, the natural mind, how it's trying to, like, how does that work? 
it doesn't make any sense. So what Jesus is coming from, those that come from the flesh talk flesh. But I come from another world, and I speak truths from this world. You and I are called to speak the reality from another world. So you and I, this is the thing. Say it, I am anointed to reveal and demonstrate another kingdom. That's the reality. That's why you were rebirthed. And how did you get rebirthed? It was a spiritual rebirth. You called out on the name of the Lord. You said, Jesus is Lord. Come into my heart. Change me. And at that moment, you got reborn and your eyes, the veil, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, talk about a veil being lifted from your eyes. You can now perceive and you see clearly. Ah, oh, this is the kingdom realm. This is what I'm talking about. You are able to see what God is seeing. You're able to say what God's speaking. You're able to hear it all because you've been rebirthed. So this is how we're changing the way that we think. I am no longer a natural person down here. I am part of the church. What is the church? It's part of the body of Christ. What's the body of Christ? It's the anointed one and his anointing. The same anointing that Jesus operated in on this earth, I have. You have. Said, I got it. How did you get it? You got rebirthed into it. Oh, man, that's good stuff. Now... What the father is interested in doing is he has always been about his kids being able to see what he sees. That's always been his heart. That's always been his call. You can look all throughout the Old Testament. You find that in the New Testament. Look at Gideon. Look at Abraham. Look at Moses. Look at all these men and women of God that God did something through. God had to get them to elevate their eyes to see from another perspective. And the moment that they did, you could not shake them off of it. Abraham got a name, name change from Abram to Abraham. And now listen, he had to walk around saying, I am a father of many nations. Do you imagine how uncomfortable that would be? And all of a sudden you walk around, I'm father of many nations. Dude, you're old. You got nothing. Like, what you, what you, what's wrong with you? Next place you go, I'm father of many nations. How are you? Yeah, what? Yeah, good, good one, Abe. Just imagine the awkwardness that would be. But he was so convinced. And Romans chapter 4 says, you couldn't shake him off it. He was fully convinced that what God said, he was able to perform it in his life. And what happened? All of a sudden, the same people that go, you're an idiot, Abraham, go, oh, the guy did it. His wife did 90-year-old gave birth to a little boy, the boy. Wow. And now they're slapping his back. Well done, Abe. That was, man, that's awesome. How'd you do that? I just trusted the Lord. Now, so again, I want to just reiterate a few things. The problem that we have is that when we get away from the word, the default setting is to live according to the natural world again. So this is why Christians who leave the word of God are weird. They start doing their own thing. They start thinking naturally. And this is the sad thing. If you think about it, a person who has been born from above experienced a rebirth, possessing all the power of God on the inside of him, waiting to be released, is now stuck and living according to the natural realm. Think about that. You have the spirit of God living on inside of you. And what is he doing? Sometimes he's honestly stuck down there hostage. Let me out. No, shut up. It doesn't look good out there. I can't. We can't, I can't. That doesn't make any sense. And he's just going, please, let me out. I want to help you. I'm able to show you things. And you're just gagging him down there. He's going, and meanwhile, he wants to reveal Jesus. He wants to reveal the kingdom. And we're stuck going, yeah, but it doesn't look that way. 
Look, what's, look what I'm seeing out here. The world is nuts. Look at the prime minister we got. Look at the premiers that are up running this thing. Look who's in leadership. They're stupid. And meanwhile, we're stuck with what we can see, and the Spirit of God is trying to elevate our thinking to show us a higher thought, but we just keep you know, pushing them a little bit further down. No, 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 Spirit of God. No, 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 no. I'm not going to run in church. Are you kidding? I'm free. I'm not free yet. I'll free it when I feel it. When I see it, then I'm free. We're missing the whole point. We're stuck in the natural realm. So the solution now is obviously untie the Spirit of God. Let him loose. (laughs) But I continue in the Word of God and allow God's Word to frame my thinking and my living. That's the only solution. So Romans chapter 12, look at this, verse 2 again, familiar verses to us. But let's read it again in the Message Bible. Um, Go to the next slide there, guys. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That what's going on out there, well, that's just the way it is. Says who? Says who? Same thing when, you know, when God, you know, came to Adam and Eve. What what, What did God ask him? Who told you you were naked? I... It's just kind of, you know, I just kind of looked down. But the whole point is, who told you that? <laughs> but it's the same way. Who told you that you're going to keep that sickness till the day you die? Who told you that your kids are going to be lost forever? Who, who told you that? Did God tell you that? Because that would never come out of the lips of God. So who are you listening to? Because again, whatever is informing you is forming you. And I'm not going to let no lie of the devil going to start forming the way I live. So he says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking about it. Instead, what do I do? I fix my gaze or I fix my attention on God and readily recognize what he wants for me. And I quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you who is always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well for maturity in you. So again, the problem is, is that believers, we operate by what is just seen. So the solution is I have to absolutely let the word of God frame my thinking so I live in this world from another world. That's how Jesus could do what he did. And thirdly now, again, the spiritual law to all this. I know we did this part last week, but I want to reiterate again because this is spiritual law. When there's a law, you can't change it. God can't change it. God operates by the same law. And in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, he says, guard your heart. Why? Because out of it flows or determines the course of your life. So my life is not determined by what happens out here. Government can't control what happens in my life. They think they try to put that on you. Yeah. A lot of Christians are falling for it. Well, whatever happens out there, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, there's, there's effects. Don't get me wrong. But ultimately, what God is saying in all this is that my heart is going to determine the outcome of my life. My heart. Not somebody else. Me. So what am I allowing in my ear gate? What am I allowing in my eye gate is ultimately going to my heart. And out of my heart, the Bible, Jesus actually said many times, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you find, I don't know how that came out. It's because that's what you're full of. All of a sudden, you're about to go on a wreck and you curse. Oh, that's not a curse. I just, whatever. I'm not going to swear. You just let that out. And you go, man, I don't know what that came from. It was in you. Well, how did it get in? What are you watching? 
What are you listening to? That's what's getting in. And we find, well, I have a right to be bitter. I have a right to be, you know, offended. You don't. Sorry, you don't. Well, they did. It doesn't matter. You determined. Did it get in? Did you let it in? Stop it. Let it out. It's not allowed to go in there. You determine the course of your heart. So that's why I'm, I'm not a victim to anybody. I'm a victorious one in Christ Jesus. So I have to take ownership of my heart. Stop letting the actions or what other people say or what other people do determine how you're going to live your life. I'm preaching to myself right now. And the last one, look at this. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It says, if people can't see. If people can't what? See. He's not talking these. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So this is a spiritual law. If you see it, you can have it. If you don't see it, you can't have it. So I had a, you know, a really good friend of ours. They pastor in a church in Colorado. Uh, what they did, they actually had uh, one of their parents was not doing so well. And the Lord actually instructed her, I want you to take, she was dealing with some cancer issues. I want you to take pictures of yourself of when you were healthy, plaster them all over your house. So everywhere you go, what are you getting? You're getting a picture of who you really are. Rather than looking in the mirror going, I'm deteriorating. No, 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 no. That, that may be a fact of what's going on, but truth will always trump that. So she got pictures, plastered them all the way around, got a new image of who she really was and experienced d- divine health. But what it happens, you have to see it. We just go, God, just, can you just do something for me? Yeah, I, his heart, he's already done it. So what do I got to do? I've got to see another picture. I've got to see it from his perspective. And as long as I keep looking down here, well, I feel sick, so I must be sick. Says who? If you talk to my body, yeah, it'll tell you it's not feeling that well. But I'm not going to talk to my body because my body doesn't know. It's stuck to this natural realm. If I were to ask other people, what do you think? What do you, what do you think about this? They go, yeah, it doesn't look too well. But I'm not going to that because that's not my final authority. Where do I go to? I have to go to my final authority. And the final authority says, by my stripes, you are healed. And here's the good thing about it is you can confess, you can speak that, and you wouldn't be lying. Why? Because you're speaking from a whole totally different reality. And so that's what Christians do. We have to get good at speaking and seeing what's actually not seen to the natural senses. That's the Christian life. (laughs) Oh, this gets fun. So what do we do now? And again, I just said this. I believe the Lord is calling us in these final days to become established in our God-given identity to who he made us before the foundation of the world. So what do I do James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, don't just listen to this word and not respond to it. Here's the danger, because that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like a poetry written and fulfilled by your life. So again, what does that mean? That my life is actually to become this word in the flesh again. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus is the word of God in made in flesh. But now he's also created us to do the same thing, right? Okay, verse 23 says, If you listen to the word and don't live out the message that you hear, you become like a person who looks in the mirror of the word. Now notice, what is this? What is your Bible? It's a a mirror. So you're looking in the mirror, which is the word of God, to discover 
the reflection of his face in the beginning. And what does that word in the beginning mean? Before the foundation of the world, God already had an image of who you are. It's already painted out. He already said it. So don't argue with him. He already had this. He's God, we're not. Verse 24, now notice this guy, he perceives what God sees in the mirror, but then you go out and you forget your divine origin and you just start living like an ordinary person on this earth. Nothing different, just passing by. Yeah, you may be born again saved, but there's no difference in living between you and the world. You smell like them, you talk like them, you think like them, you act like them. There's no difference. Why? Because there hasn't been, you haven't looked at the word and go, I believe that. Oh, but the mirror, boy, man, you're looking good today. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know you do it naturally speaking. You take a look in the mirror and go, what's up, man? Man, Jamie, you're welcome. <laughs> Anybody ever do that before? No, me neither. Okay, just check it. All right. <laughs> no hands go up. Well, neither did mine. All right. <laughs> well, it's the same thing with the word of God. You flip it open and you go, Woo! Whoa, you look good. And the Bible actually says in Philemon, there's only one chapter, verse 6, he says that you start acknowledging every good thing which is in you because you're in Christ Jesus. And what do we have the, a lot of church doing? I'm, I'm a loser. I can't do nothing. I always fail. This never works. My marriage sucks. Kids suck. Finances suck. And what happens if you heard the word, you looked into the mirror, but you forgot your divine origin, so you go on, carry out life, and you will not experience the blessings of God. Going, God, where are you? He's going, check the mirror. you got to get the mirror focused. you got to get that back established. Because the basis of my relationship is not how I feel. It's based in the mirror of what he told me. Now, verse 25. Now, on the contrary to that first guy, second guy goes this, but those who set their gaze deeply. Oh deeply into the perfect law of liberty and they are fascinated by and they respond to the truth they hear they are strengthened by the word they experience what god's blessings and all that they do why because they act as if this is true because it is so you'll never hear me say i'm a loser that will, those words will never come out of my mouth why because i'm not neither are you so what do I say? I am victorious through my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. I win. And listen, it's in him. I'm in him. It's not in myself. Right? This is not a self-help program where you become a better version of you. You do not need a better version of you. There's no such thing. You stink. Period. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So it's not about I have to be a better person. Stop it. You have to see who you are in him. The reflection of that mirror is the reality. And when you see the reality of who you are, my life starts looking a whole lot differently. Why? Because now I believe something different than what people are telling me. Now, scroll up here. The victorious church knows where their victory begins. Victory is knowing the victorious one. So I believe we're going to just take some time getting into this because I want to place such a value. And I want you and I just to place a value again on you and I having an intimate relationship with Jesus. This whole victory, this whole thing that we're experiencing is only because I have an intimacy, intimacy relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't come any other way. 
So in Daniel chapter 11, look at this verse, in verse 32, the latter part of it, he says, the people who know their God, not know about him, they know him. They know their God. What are they going to be? They shall be strong and they will carry out great exploits. So what's the result of intimately knowing God? I'll be strong and I'll carry out great um, exploits for the kingdom of God. So again, the purpose is, and again, I'm not going to prostitute the relationship of God, meaning I'm just looking to be strong and I want to do some pretty powerful things that people go, whoa, that was pretty cool. I will never prostitute the relationship of God. The purpose in this is knowing him. And in knowing him, things get done. Okay, so let's get into this a little bit today. First things first is that we need to have a clear understanding of the dispensation or the age that we are living in. It is crucial. Again, we're talking about developing a relationship with the victorious one. We have to know what time frame are we in. Are we in 4 B.C.? Where are we before Christ? What side of the cross are we on? Before Christ? After Christ? After his death? After his death and his resurrection. So we have to understand. I want you to look at this. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says this, God, who by, at various times and in various ways, he spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. This is Old Testament reference. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 is Old Testament reference. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 is New Testament reference, where he says, Has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Remember, Jesus speaks Jesus. We speak English, Jesus, or God speaks Jesus. This is the language that we are in now. Whom he appointed as heir over all things, through whom he has also made all of the worlds. So what you and I, I want you just to kind of, this is for your own, I, I did a, some study, and I'm still doing some study on this. But really grasping the dispensation or the ages that we're living in will determine my successful relationship with him. And let me just give you, God has seven ages in this earth season before, I mean six, and then we're out of here. Seven is when we're gone. But the first one was this. The first dispensation was between Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 3. And it was called the dispensation of innocence. Dispensation 2 began right after the fall, and it went to the Tower of Babel called Conscience. Dispensation number three began after the Tower of Babel and went to Genesis chapter 12, which was about human government. Then in the fourth dimension, or sorry, dispensation, Genesis chapter 12 through Exodus chapter 20 was the dispensation of promise. God promising Abram a son, right? Okay, and again, the whole focus wasn't Isaac. It actually was pointed towards Jesus. And then in Exodus chapter 20... The new dispensation of the law was introduced. Now, all of these dispensations, let me just give you an example of what it would be like. I'll just use, if I can just use briefly, the American politics for a second. Every four years, there's an election. And at that election, depends on who going in, a new administration goes into the White House. Same White House, new administration carrying different laws, different thoughts, different ways. Well, it's the same way with a dispensation. Same earth that we're living in, but God had to deal with each Individual did to deal with people according to the dispensation that they were in. So from Exodus chapter 20 to Acts chapter 2, which was the day of Pentecost and the church began, they operated and dealt by the law. So God deals with people according to the law. 
right? God never changes. He's always been the same. But the dispensation now dictates how he relates to people and how people relate to him. Now, this dispensation that we are in that started in Acts chapter 2, and it will go until the rapture of the church. Come Tuesday nights, Pastor John is doing an end-time seminar. Going to be glorious. There's my plug-in. You see, you see that. You see that. All right. But that dispensation is going to go until the church leaves this place. But you and I have to understand that the dispensation that we're in, lots of the prophets said it was a dispensation of mystery. Meaning, it, it, was, it was amazing. We, we couldn't see it. Old Testament guys, they caught it, got glimpses of it once in a while. David was the closest to it. But they were just mesmerized going, what, what is this? He said, happy is the man whose sins are completely wiped out. There's no remembrance of them anymore. Wow, what an age. What a time. Well, this dispensation happened. Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit of God fell, he came onto this earth. And now he indwelt inside of us, came on us. And it's called the dispensation of grace. This is where we live. This is how God deals with people today. That's why Hitler on his deathbed, whatever it was, he could have accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior just before he killed himself, they say. And he would have been saved. What? It makes no sense. God, how can you get off of that? The age that we're in is the age of grace. So is God going to judge this earth? No, not till we're out of here. So you can just put all that stuff down because it's useless to fight about. Well, God's going to do this to America. God's going to rip Canada apart. God's going to do this to our pride. He's going to pull them into shreds. Whoa. Hold on a sec. Where sin abounds, grace does much more. This is the dispensation that we're in. So God's desire, his will, is that all people come to know the truth and call on Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's his will. And as long as the church has a different mindset, we're going to be missing it. Now, that's from a church, but now from a personal perspective, I can't relate with God from a law perspective or from the law dispensation. If I do good, then God does good to me. Living that way, you'll be stuck because this dispensation has nothing to do with you or me. It's got nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with who Jesus is and what he did for us on my behalf. So it's not about, oh, I have to do this, this, and then I can experience freedom. I have to do this and this, and then my marriage will be good. Man, I, I get their steps. Their, that's, that's all fine. But don't forget the primary message of the New Testament is not how much I love God. The primary testament, the primary message, I should say, of the New Testament is all focused in how much God loves me. And I want to bring us back here just for a moment. My last little bit of time is going back to the very foundation and the root of why I have victory in every area of life. It's not because God hates anybody else. It's because I've embraced who he is and what he did in this dispensation for me. So take advantage of the age that we're in. Aren't you thankful? If you screwed up, we don't have to take you back and throw a couple of rocks at your head. Thank you, Jesus. We're in the dispensation of grace. Come say it with me. Grace. Grace. Oh, grace. How many of you need grace? I need grace. The heaven even talks about that there's a throne room of grace. That's what we are all in. So this dispensation is called the dispensation of grace. And it is here until the rapture of the church where we will be taken out from here. And then starts the seventh and the final millennial reign of Christ. Now, Wow. So we have got to understand. And now let's look in here for a moment. 
in this dispensation, his love has already finished, has already accomplished every victory that I would need to experience in this life. What do you need victory in? Depression. You already got it. Uh, sickness. Already did it. Poverty. Already did it. Someone, what else? What else is there? My mind's kind of blank. You just think of it. You know, for 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Everything that you need to living a godly life in this life has already been brought to you through an intimate knowing of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So how do, the Bible even says, how do I grow in peace? Know him. I'm just praying for peace. Waste of time. Oh God, I just need peace. Great, we all do. How come I'm not experiencing it? You don't know him. You may know about him, but you don't know him. When you know him, ah, there's the peace. There's the strength. See, a lot of times church is praying for things that you should have out of a relationship with him. We're just throwing out our breath, throwing out our prayers. Oh, God, I need peace. I need to be strong. Well, know him, and that will be taken care of. Okay. Now, to live successfully in this dispensation, I continually let the Father's love nourish my heart. Look at this, John 59. Jesus said this again before he went to the cross. He said, I love each and every single one of you with the same love that the Father loves me. So you must. Say with me, you must. And then here's that word, the C word, continually let my love nourish your hearts. So what do I do every day? I let his love. I let how loved I am nourish me. That's what nourishes me. That's what strengthens me. That's what gives me the peace in the chaos, knowing how loved I am by God. Now, again, we're talking about this victorious table. And for you and I to see this victory that God's already purchased for us, we got to get down. What's the very nitty-gritty root to this? Maybe you got something deeper. This is what I have this morning for us, is that I am loved by Almighty God. Yeah. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. It says it like this. Even in the midst of all these things, talk about trials and persecutions and problems, we triumph over a few of them. No, come on. Say it with me. All. What comes your way? Do you, what, what do you overcome? A few of the things? No, all. Everything that comes my way, I triumph over them all. Why? Because I'm just a good Christian and I do my dues and I, you know, pay my tithe and I show up to church and I raise my hands in worship and I get a little jiggy with it. Is that why? I'm doing like, listen, we confuse our relationship with God for the things I do. Going, okay, yeah, God, did you see, did you see this? Thinking, okay, yeah, hey, well done. Here comes a little blessing for you. And we think he's just kind of throwing stuff out where he wants to know, hey, shh, don't, don't, you didn't really do much today, but I'm good, so here, here's a little blessing. We, we have such a weird concept of, I have to do this in order for God to bless. The problem is, is your focus is on you. And he said, I triumph over them all. Why? Because God has made me more than conquerors. And look at this, and his demonstrated love is my glorious victory over everything. What's that saying? No matter what hell comes your way, the love of God is so much stronger, so much bigger than any problem that could come your way. There is not even an English word. They try to bring an English word to explain this. And I'll just show you what the Aramaic says for this. That the love of God gives us is a glorious, and here's the Aramaic that they try to express this. It's a hyper victory. That's all they could put up with. It's, it's too much. It's too big. And that's why we already said where sin abounds, grace does much more. 
Sin did this. Well, guess what grace does? (laughs) Not a chance. He says, God's love and grace has made us hyper conquerors. Say with me, I'm a hyper conqueror. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) No, it's just, you can get excited about it. I'm more than a conqueror. He empowers us in every situation more than any match that the enemy could throw your way. The devil tries to throw this at you. You go, whoa, he loves me. Come on, let's practice that. Something gets thrown your way. Boom, a, a doctor's note. Boom, a financial bill. Boom, all of a sudden something happens in your family. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. What am I supposed to do? Let this love nourish my heart. And last, I want to just give you these verses here. Ephesians chapter 3, 16 through 21. And it says, and I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Verse 17, I love this. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and the very root of your life. What's the source of my life? It's not just, oh, I'm a good Christian. I do this. I do that. I I mean, I confess every day. I I read my Bible every day. Great. And it should be. But this dispensation is not about what you do for him. It's what he has done for you. And now my life is a response to what he's done. I want to come to church because of what he's done for me. Rather than I better pay my dues. No, 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 no. Don't. That, that is such dispensation of the law mindset. And your relationship with the, with the Lord, let me just guess, it's very dry. It's very lame. There's nothing much going on in it. Why? Because it's based on, well, I guess I better, shoot, I better, I forgot to do this. Man, I, God, I didn't do this. Trust me, I get it because I'm, I'm working through some of those things myself. And the whole book of Galatians, God put the book of Galatians in there for us. Because again, in there it says, who has bewitched you, Galatian church? Spirit of religion got all over it, thinking that, hey, you're gonna, you got started in this new life by being accepting Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God came. You think you're now going to perfect this life by your own efforts and doing miracles. You think that we got to sing a certain song? You think that we have to act a certain way for the miraculous to take place? Wait a minute. The miraculous came in because you simply believe what he did. So the emphasis has to come off of you and onto him. And my resu- the result is, I can now be an ambassador for him wherever I go. Because I'm not trying to, oh God, i got to pray for this person. I really hope it works. It has nothing to do with that anymore. Because now you are knowledgeable of the finished works. And that love, well, I don't know what happened to this guy's past. You know, I can't pray for him because he just walked out of a bar. Are you kidding me? What a great opportunity. And if the Lord leads you in that way, God loves, he loves people. And there's a minister that I really enjoy. He kind of said it like this. You know, teachers try to teach the hell out of me. Jail, they try to rehabilitate the hell out of me. But Jesus, he loved the hell right out of me. And this is what this whole thing is all about. It's not about me trying to do something. It's all rooted and it's grounded in how much I'm loved by him. Problem comes my way. I'm loved. I said you're not going to make it. I'm loved. You're an addict. You'll never get free. I am loved by God. That's the resting place. 
So it's not, okay, I got to do this. I have to act like this. No, 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 no. Stop trying to fix a, we would call a soulish issue by the soul. The answer is not in your brain. The answer is not in me trying to figure steps out. Okay, I got to do this. Okay, do this. Act like this. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Do these steps. Forget it. What is it? It's in the spirit. The answer is not in the soul. Come on, say with me. The answer is not in the soul. This thing has to get renewed with what? The spirit. The spirit has life. The flesh carries nothing. Oh, I'm just you know, I'm going to work hard to get more happy. Stop it. I just got, I'm not really a happy person. Do you know what will help? An intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. We've left Jesus out of the equation and we're trying to make something temporary last when it won't last. Long lasting change is a spiritual connection and a heart to heart relationship with my King Jesus, knowing that I can't do any of this without him. Let me finish off this prayer. Verse 18, he says, then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. This is his prayer, that the great magnitude and the astonishing love of Christ in all of its dimensions, how deep, say it with me, how deep, it's deep and intimate and far-reaching is this love. See, you and I, humanistic love just lasts a little bit. Okay, I'll forgive this, I'll forgive that. You talk about my mama, nah, that's, that stops the line right there, I'm going after you. We stop at certain areas in our life. The Father, there is no limits to this. Three people in the Bible experienced the goodness of God, murderers, and totally became totally different people. See how many people are coming to Jesus in the Muslim world? They're hungry, they're craving, they're looking for something, and Jesus reveals, and all of a sudden, this love of God turns them right on that they would even face death. Bring it on. Why? I'm so in love with this Jesus. I love him because he first loved me. So this is the prayer of the church that you would experience the love of Christ. That's what separates you and I from every other religion is that there's love that's tangible. This love that actually just gets down in every pore and pore of our being and eventually changes the way we think. It changes the way we see things and go, oh, I love you, God. And therefore, I love people. I love people. Why? Because I love him and I came into contact with him. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. (laughs) What am I full of? Not opinions of what I think government should do. I'm full of the love of God. That's when things change. Never doubt God's mighty power. What's his mighty power? It's his love that's at work in us. In you and to accomplish all this, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Anybody ready for some of that? Your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. Why? For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Verse 21, now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ and all that yet will be manifested through time and eternity. Amen. There's something about the love of God. I know that's even for my own self. I can't get out of situations with my own brute, with my own strength, with my own might. 
But when I rest in how much I'm loved by God, and from that place I follow what he tells me to do, victory is inevitable. So it's not me, okay, I have to do this, I got to do that. Start here. My victory is birthed. I am loved. I want you just to say this with me. I am the one you love. You chose me. I don't have to prove anything. I make my father smile. God, you made me, and you like what you made. There's room for me at your table. This love is my resting place and the source of my life. I believe the love of God, and I am victorious in every situation. I am the one you love. That's my resting place. That's where I go. <laughs> What's my quiet place? I am loved by God. Want to play a little bit? I am loved by God. You know, there's a vision. I heard a gentleman who had an experience in heaven. And while he was there, he said he was in a room full. He said, I didn't see all who was there, but it was a room filled. We were in this massive auditorium-like building. It was packed out completely. And he's like, all of a sudden, he said, I felt like I was one in a million, literally, one in a million. But he said, all of a sudden, I glanced across just the front, and I saw Jesus, and he was staring right at me. And at that moment, it wasn't like Jesus had, they had this, this personal conversation. Jesus didn't come over to him. But the man just said on the inside, he said, I've, I heard the Spirit of God on the inside, that he knows how to make a, in a busy place like that, he knows how to have personal contact with you. If you just think about that for a sec, heaven is, why it makes heaven so beautiful? Love. <laughs> that Jesus, all of a sudden, he'd be walking around and be doing all, all these different things with all these different people, yet he knows how to make you feel to fit right at home. <sighs> so this morning, I, f- I know this, that the Spirit of God wants to remind you and I of this resting place. That it's not in your striving. Don't mix up the dispensations. You are in the dispensation of grace. Therefore, I have to relate to God by grace. He relates with me by grace. And this beautiful relationship, and this is, we've said this many times, this duo is by grace through faith. Faith is simply a positive response to what God has already done for us. I don't have to try to get it. I don't try to have to work it. So this morning, I do have this. If, you have, if you're dealing with symptoms in your body that are not right, don't settle. What do I do? I'm loved. And you know what makes your faith work? Knowing how much you are loved by God. Galatians 5, 6 says that. Faith worketh by love. But that's not me talking. I have to walk in love with other people. Of course, that's good. But that's not how my faith works. My faith works knowing that I am totally and completely loved by my Father. Can we just take a moment just to, I want you just to receive it this morning. Open your hearts, open your hands, open your, just receive from Him. The love of God. Thank you, Jesus. The love of God. We receive your love. No, can I encourage you, if, if, please do this. I want you to open up your hands to him. It's an act of surrender, but it's also an act of I'm opening up myself to you, Lord. 
I am the one you love. Just say that I am the one you love. I am the one you love. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to be anything. I am simply the one you love. You made me and you like what you made. Your love never fails. Your love never fades out. Your love never dims. Your love is steady. Your love is consistent. But at the same time, it's also wild for me. I receive your love this morning. And listen, while you're just sitting there, I want you to remember the first act of the Spirit of God moving in on the inside of you. Romans 5.5 says that he has been given so that you could constantly experience the love of God. That he's what he's there for, is to remind, to bring you back, and to lead you to this place of, I am so loved by God. Thank you, Jesus. We receive that this morning. I'm loved, I'm loved, I'm loved. I'm loved, I'm loved, I'm loved. Thank you, Lord. When all hell is out here, thank you, Lord, I can run and hide under your shadow. I run and hide under the shadow of the Almighty. And in that place, I am loved, I am loved, I am loved. When circumstances or things try to attach itself to this body, Lord, I run under the shadow of the Almighty. Where I am loved, I am loved, I am loved. I get my answers from this place. I get insight from this place. I get direction from this place. I get words to speak from this place. I make sense of what's going on in this place. I am loved, I am loved, I am loved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to leave this too quick. We have got to get used to being throne room people. I am loved, I am loved, I am loved. And the accuser will try to come. And he will speak words to bring you down. He'll speak words to try to hurt and bring you back to what you did. I have this on my heart this morning, the abortion that you had. What you do, child of God, you run back to the shadow of the Almighty and you can start just singing praise. I am loved, I am loved, I am loved. In this place, there, the case is closed. There remains no accusation. No condemning voice is able to have a hold. So we joyfully celebrate. I am loved, I am loved, I am loved. Those that may be in your past life, the enemy is trying to bring that back up to you. I want to encourage you now. This is where we go back to. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. I am the one you love. I am the one you love. I am the one you love. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Well, now we just respond to this. I just want to take a moment.
We need to respond. Some of you need to respond. Don't wait for somebody else. This is between you and the Lord. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. That accusing voice, I know I've experienced it. It is loud. It is daunting. It is tormenting. So what do I do? I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. I am the one he loves. I am the one he loves. People at work are going crazy. The world is going crazy. Where do I go? I go back to my place. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. I am not forgotten. I'm not an orphan. I am the one he loves. Jesus. Couples, marriages, when there seems to be strife or contention, the enemy's trying to get in there. What do we do? Let's get back to this place. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. Come on again, say it. I am loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. Thank you, Jesus. When I don't know what to do, decisions, I don't know what to do. We go back to this place. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved and remind myself of how loved I am. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. know for us as men those men that are here and as we're leading our families the greatest place we come back to is I am loved I am loved I am loved don't take the weight there's a lot of weight that the world tries to throw or even just religious thinking tries to throw I have to do this and oh my kids have this and I finances this no 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 come back to this place remember Romans 8 37 this is the demonstrated victory that what Jesus did, that I am loved by Almighty God. Victory begins in this place. I am loved by Almighty God. Thank you, Lord. We receive this this day. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. <sighs> to him, let's thank him. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just don't forget that spot. This week, stuff comes. So what do I do? Just run back. I'm, I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. Oh, gas goes up to $4. Ah. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. I'm loved. It just moves you. It separates you from the world. And in a world that's nuts, it needs a sane thinking church. And how do we have sane thinking? It all is rooted and grounded in, I am loved, I am loved, I am loved. We'll get into this next week. And I don't mean to keep you long. I, I'm just following the spirit of God here. The world, the culture that we're in is doing everything it can to show how much God hates you, how God is angry with you, how God is so displeased with you. And meanwhile, the message of the cross hasn't changed. It still is. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. 
Amen. I'll shut up now. But thank you. Have a good rest of the day.